Welcome to the Perky Collar Radio Show, where we talk to entrepreneurs from across the globe to learn why they started their company, what mistakes they've made, what they learned from those mistakes, and they all share an incredible success story. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Perky Collar Radio Show. I'm your host, David M. Frankel. Today, I'm so excited to introduce to you Dustin DeVries. He's the co-founder of Caffeine Interactive Technologies. Good afternoon, Dustin. Thanks for having me, David. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for taking the time out. So kick off the show with the why. Why did you start Caffeine Interactive Technologies? Well, you know, I was working at a corporate job, probably a similar story a lot of people who started businesses, working in a job that felt like, in my case, it had a pretty low ceiling. You know, I could make a nice engineering salary, but uh, just based on my background, the kind of company I was working for, you know, I would maybe get in a mid-level management and that's about the cap of where I could get. And mid-level management ended up being pretty stressful. Um, you know, it's managing uh, a, a team of about 10, 12 people, um, a lot of off inner office politics and all of that. And I'd always wanted to venture out on my own. And I kind of come from the background of entrepreneurship. Uh, my parents both had, uh, well, together, they had their own, own business, had several businesses that they built. None of them were super successful, but I mean, they, they had some success and I kind of had that in my blood. And so just decided, you know, at some point after about 10 years in the corporate world, said, I just want to get out of this and go off and do something on my own. And so that was kind of the the motivation. And then I was figuring out what I wanted to do. And I was good at building software. So that's when we started uh, Caffeine Interactive. Excellent. So walk me through what it's like to be a child of an entrepreneur. Uh... <laughs> like, what are you doing that other kids your age aren't doing because your parents are entrepreneurs? I always find it's very interesting because mm -hmm. everyone's experiences are so different. Yeah, I would say, I mean, it's probably the biggest thing is the, the flexibility. And you know, I saw that from an early age that they had a little bit of flexibility. Of course, it, but they were, you know, the job was very taxing and running a business very taxing. You never really get complete separation from it. But even when you're in the middle of the day, you had a little bit more freedom maybe than you did than a traditional job, especially going back, you know, when I was a kid, which was, you know, 30 plus years ago, right? So, um, back then a little, little different workforce than it is now, <laughs> obviously. So, um, but you know, given that maybe a more constrained workforce, everyone was expected to be in the office every day from, from nine to five more so than they are now. Um, it was, uh, still pretty flexible, you know, given that time. And so I think that was a big impression on me. Yeah. I think just being able to go to have lunch with your children or go to these, what they have fun runs now, I was didn't have when we were kids. Uh, but I think it's just great to be able to be at school at four o'clock if you need to, or be at school at one o'clock if you need to, and go on field trips. You have that flexibility as an entrepreneur parent that you don't have as a nine to five corporate executive. Without a doubt. And especially back, like I was saying, you know, back then, which was like 1980s and early 90s when I was growing up, when I was still a, a kid, you know, that was definitely the case. Sure. Well, walk me through kind of what does caffeine interactive technologies do? What services do you provide? You know, the quick 30 second elevator pitch I share people is we do everything from simple websites to complex web and mobile applications. So anything software related, we, you know, like the simple websites up to like enterprise level, you know, big corporate type of enterprise applications uh, we build. Okay, very good. And how long have you been doing this? Uh, <laughs> it's always tough because you know, entrepreneurship isn't necessarily just a flip a light switch. There's usually a lot of trial and error and, and doing different things, kind of halfway working, you know, working a full-time job and maybe doing something on the side moonlighting. Um, you know, I kind of started back in 2006 was when I really started getting the bug to do something, but 
I left my corporate job in 2010, but as far as kind of where we plant the flag when we started Caffeine Interactive, I like to say 2013. Uh, that was a pretty clear point where just started going completely 100% on service-based clients. And uh, my wife came into the picture. I'd kind of been doing freelancing before that. Uh, her background is in uh, business analysis, uh, building requirements for you know complex software projects. We kind of worked a little bit in the past, uh, but we decided to, to to formally cement that for better or worse as a husband and wife founded company. And uh, she focused on the requirements and specs, and I focused on the implementation and, and building a dev team. And uh, so it's 2013. Long answer, but <laughs> short answer is 2013. Sure. Well, I think you bring up a very interesting point. A lot of my listeners are interested in starting a business or they have their own business or just kind of gun shy and take that leap of faith to do it full time. Walk me through the process you and your wife went through a little bit from 2006 to try and juggle your side hustle and your full-time uh, corporate job. And when you finally said, it's time to dedicate all my time and attention to this business if I wanted to grow. Yeah, that's a great question. Cause I think like most entrepreneurs, it's never just a straight line, right? You're kind of bouncing around trying different things until you find something that works. Uh, and so for us, it was really in 2006. Uh, I don't remember what started it, but I, I kind of got involved in affiliate marketing. Um, and, you know, when it started getting into that, going to the Affiliate Summit was a big conference. I think it's like they had Affiliate Summit East and Affiliate Summit West. Back then, there may have just been one. I don't think they even had one over in Europe or something like that. But started going to that conference. Uh, we started working on, like, different ways to – we focused more on on deals and, you know, promoting deals, building up, like, Twitter following, emails, websites, things like that, building up the following, and then making commissions off of the products that we refer to people. So – um, allowed us to build some technology, allowed me to, you know, sharpen my skills as a, as a software developer. Because up to that point, I've been working in corporate America, and it was a lot of, like, shell scripting and just simple, like, uh, not really web-based technology. I wasn't doing a whole lot of, I was doing a little bit of web-based stuff in, in my corporate job, but not really. And so as applying my software skills and background, and I'd done some, some website development before that, but uh, really starting to build it into some, some technologies we we're building back in 2006, 2007 for the affiliate marketing space and then you know that we did okay with that for a while we had some interesting stories like for example uh probably the, the biggest thing that was a crush to that going forward was um because we were promoting a lot of heavily discounted products uh amazon at the time i don't know if they still do had a, a commission uh a tiered commission structure uh where the more products you sell the better your commissions get so you know we would sell these certain products and we would hit like the top tier of the, the commission structure would be like 10%. But, you know, it'd be selling like a, you know, $1,000 TV and getting like a 10% commission off of that. And that $1,000 TV is already drastically discounted typically. It might be 50% off. So they're, you know, so if selling it for a thousand bucks, now it's selling for 900 bucks and paying us a hundred dollar commission. And so I guess they didn't really like that. They had kind of this, this uh, clause where if you're a, a like a deal based, uh, you know, sales, uh, heavily discounted deal kind of organization doing affiliate marketing that they can readjust your commission structure. So we went from getting like 10%, 9-10% on sales to like 1% just kind of overnight. And that was about a third of our income at the time. And wow. you know, Amazon, I think if we would have kept going, Amazon would have been more than a third, probably would have been over half of our income because of you know how much business goes through there. So that kind of just dictated, okay, this isn't working. <laughs> Go somewhere else. And so started doing some freelancing, started building some products for other people. Um, and then as I grew that, it eventually reached 
point where I had enough customers where I had to decide either I need to start firing customers so I don't have enough bandwidth to handle all the accounts that I'm juggling or we need to start building a business and uh, adding more headcount. And we went with the latter option and here we are in the end of 2022. Congratulations. So what was that conversation like with your wife in 2013 when you say, honey, I'm going to leave my, actually in 2010, you said you left a corporate yeah. job. What was it like in 2007? You said, honey, I, it's time for me to leave my corporate job with my benefits and be a full-time entrepreneur. Yeah, I want to make sure my... Put, let me be a fly in the wall for that conversation for a second. What yeah. was that like? <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to uh, I'm gonna make sure my wife listens to this because I'm going to compliment her really heavily right now. She was extremely supportive. And I think she kind of came from a background of entrepreneurship as well and with, with her parents. And so it wasn't a very difficult foreign thing for her to absorb. She saw how crazy and stressful uh, my life was at the time we were going through a number of things. It wasn't just craziness with work and trying to figure out my future career and all of that, but we were also dealing with things, you know, with, at that point in time, we were trying to build a family. We we're dealing with some other, you know, unrelated issues like infertility and things like that. And just, there was a lot of just really difficult, it was a difficult time in our lives for sure. And so I think for, for us, it was, you know, it was sort of the, an option that would provide us more options if I left the corporate world. It would get rid of that craziness that was the corporate world, and all the politics and everything I was bringing home every day. Get rid of that and also open us up to more flexibility as we as we dealt with you know different things. We went through a whole you know whole process of you mentioned the infertility thing. We ended up adopting uh, a couple of kids and they were uh, six months and two years when they came to live with a sibling, a group of uh, two kids, siblings that that we adopted, and so. You know, going through that, it also enabled me to be home, you know, most of the time as they're they're growing up. So that provides some flexibility. So she was very, you know, supportive and all that. And I think, you know, she was supportive at the beginning. And then as these other things started coming along, like the, you know, opportunity to adopt and some of those things that, that came into our lives, um, it just more supportive. It, you know, just reaffirmed the fact that this was the right decision. Well, very good. And it sounds like it wasn't perfect timing. And that's what a lot of listeners have to understand it's easy to drag your feet. It's easy to say tomorrow, next week, next year will be the perfect time. There's no perfect time. I mean, you're dealing with infertility. You're dealing with adopting, all expensive, all stressful. And here you are trying to launch a business all at the same time. You know, so yeah. the thing I want people to understand is there's never this perfect time to launch a business. You just got to do it and everything else will work itself out. But I have to give your wife kudos because without her support, it'd be even more stressful. So it's always great to get your spouse on the same page with you when you're you know, ready to launch a business. Uh, and I know sometimes that becomes a separation between spouses when you want to launch and the wife says no, or the wife comes from a nine to five parent environment and they're not as supportive to a entrepreneur lifestyle because they didn't grow up with it. So they're afraid of it or they don't, it's the unknown. Women want safety and security. Uh, so it's nice that she was used to that. So she knew the risk reward, uh, the flexibility that potentially came from being an entrepreneur. And it's just nice that she was there to support you and be there by your side. Now, 12 years later, uh, it's the best decision you made, I assume. I think so. <laughs> I mean, you said, you've done it five years earlier, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you put, you know, a question I'm like, because some of it has to do with, I think you're, I believe that sometimes it's just the makeup of who you are. And I have no, I don't feel like I've done something better than anyone else in terms of, you know, some people really get enjoyment out of having the stability of a nine to five job and a stable income and all of that. And I applaud them. You know, there's times when I regret, feel almost like disappointed that I'm not of that same mindset that I've immersed myself so much 
in my job and my business. And I couldn't just accept, you know, a, a pretty stable income making pretty good money um, that I felt like I needed to do something else. This restless feeling that I have that others don't. So I think that's why it's good that we're all different, right? I mean, exactly. that goes without saying, but it's good to have people that are willing to be employees and they like that stability and others who are willing to take the risk. And so I guess I am who I am. And fortunately she was kind of the same mold. So it, it worked out okay. Fantastic. I, I kudos again to her for being supportive and helping you through it. And together you guys built a great business. Oh, so yeah, walking through, and I appreciate you sharing that story. I know it's somewhat intimate and personal, but I think what makes this show great is people are real and they're honest and they're genuine. And it helps people understand that, Hey, I've been putting off for a long time, but now I have to listen to Dustin's interview. I'm ready to do it now. He inspired me. And that's one thing that also comes from these interviews is helping people understand it's never the perfect time. You just got to do it because Tomorrow's not guaranteed. And if you're being held back, you've always wanted to have your business start today, start tomorrow, but don't put it down a month, a year from now, get it, get it going. Uh, and I, I'm glad to hear more stories of people that said, you know what, timing wasn't perfect, but we did anyway. And here we are 12 years later. And we're so glad we did. Without, so what, uh, yeah, as an entrepreneur, I'm a junkie for those kind of stories too. So exactly. No, it, it's, it's a great story. And I appreciate you sharing with me. Uh, so Dustin, walk me through uh, a little bit of the scaling process. Obviously every time you scale, you're going to take some risks and you have some that work and some that don't work. Let me know some mistakes you made while you were growing this business uh, back in 2010 and obviously officially launched in 2013. So over the last nine years, review some mistakes that you made and then please follow up with a things you learned from those mistakes. Yeah, I know. I'm sure there's like countless mistakes. I, I don't, sometimes you kind of fall into success as opposed to, you know, charging into it. But um you know, I think for us, I think one of the biggest problems we had is, you know, as you start scaling and growing, you're looking at these gaps that you have. And it's very tempting to look at the potential of outsourcing major pieces of your business to others. And I'm not saying never do that. I think you can do that. I think you can do that successfully. But I think when you're uh, a company in your infancy, like, like we were, um, that became quite a bit of a strain for us. You know, we did uh, for a while, um, we were looking at bringing in developers and you know this is back 2013 2014 2015 uh we outsourced some of our development work we we partnered with a couple of, of uh, offshore development agencies and you know thought we had really good relationships with them and then found that felt like we were pretty powerless in controlling the the tempo and pace of our projects and how things were done and the quality and everything else and so that was like part of our core business right we like outsourcing which was not good um, it was more of a stopgap measure because we had, you know, trying to meet the demand and, and hire and everything else, but quickly realized that, you know, kind of set a rule uh, in our business that we would never outsource development work ever again. It would always be full-time dedicated employees uh, for our company. Probably starting around 2015, we made that decision after some pretty brutal situations that came up uh, from depending on, on partners to fulfill some of the work that we had. Uh, same thing on the marketing side. You know, I, I've never, I'm an engineer by trade. I'm an introvert. I don't really enjoy getting on the phone, talking to people. I mean, I do, but it's like only you know, a little bit of time. And then I got to go back and recover, sit in the dark and <laughs> listen to music or whatever I do, you know, to, to recover. And so, um, you know, I think that was one of the things that came about too, was uh, we tried outsourcing marketing and I was paying this marketing agency like a ton of money each month. Uh, to do marketing for us. And we never, I think it was over about eight or nine months, uh, paying them like a, a monthly retainer. And we did not get one single lead through the course of all that. 
And the funny thing is I look back at that and I don't think, well, that marketing company screwed everything up. I would never hire them again. Really, I look at myself and I think, well, I didn't know, I didn't know how to give them the right guidance on how, you know, what it was that we needed. Like I needed to immerse myself in marketing enough to understand how marketing works, understand how sales works, understand how to define the value prop of our organization. I, just, you know, I need to do all these things in order to be able to properly guide another entity into how to market and sell our, our, our company. Um, and so that was something that I, that I learned is that, you know, I think you just really have to, you don't have to become an expert at every part of your business. Like if, you know, I can't, it's not like I'm saying you can't go and hire a bookkeeper until you know how to manage all your books and you become an expert at QuickBooks. You know, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you have to have enough domain knowledge to be able to at least manage it. Because ultimately, if you're outsourcing it, you're still managing it. And if you don't know anything about what they're doing, it's really difficult to manage. 100%. And I think everyone gets wrapped up in the, you can't work in your business, you got to work on your business. But I do think uh -huh. there's a fine line between when you're first starting out, doing enough on your own, wearing as many hats as you can, so you know enough that you can guide someone else on what's expected and set those expectations and be able to ask the right questions before you hire people. Because if you have no idea, uh, it's really hard to know if you're even hiring the right people. Exactly. Yeah, 100% correct. So Dustin, let's shift gears to a success story. Obviously, everyone has trials and errors and mistakes we make along the way. It sounds like you learn from some of those mistakes. Is there a success story you can share either personally uh, or a success story for a client that hired you to build a website, social media platform, thing like that, and just got incredible results. And it, it just really fueled your why, why you started the business to begin with, uh, because they had such great success. And now there may be, they have testimonials for you and videos, testimonials and things like that. Is there a customer you can think of or your own personal story you can share with us? Yeah, sure. I, I don't necessarily want to name drop uh, companies okay. or anything like that on, on here, but I'll mention one particular client of ours that uh, they came in, um, they're building a pretty sophisticated uh, software app uh, catering to the finance financial industry, uh, global market in, in terms of what they're providing. And they're, I think, get what series of funding there and they just raised like $25 million or something like that. And so they had a team that was building, they had a multi-tiered app they were building. So there's a whole, you know, backend, it's all banking stuff. So, you know, pretty sophisticated, a lot of concerns about security and all of that. And then they had a, uh, so the multi-tiered app, they had a backend component, which was all this business logic, all this data, financial data, customer accounts, all these sort of things. And then they had a front-end application uh, that was built in a technology called React. And so they had, and this is fairly typical for uh, large software applications like this to have, uh, you know, different tiers of the app, like a back end and the front end, and then have different development teams. Maybe, you know, one development team work on the back end, another development team work on the front end. Well, they brought us in to help with this particular product. And, uh, you know, we helped them on the, uh, the front end side. Uh, our development team, you know, helped uh, build out uh, some of the front end technology they were really struggling with. They had had some problems with, with staffing and hiring, and they had, they brought in some people they weren't doing a great job uh and just really you know struggling with us they, they asked us to jump in they gave us a small project uh to jump in and do a few things and we were able to, to complete that that small project you know on time within budget and then they came to us said well you know now that you did this you did such a great job on this we'd love to get you in on our on our main product and have us you know help us with that and so they brought us into the loop on that and eventually ended up basically displacing their entire front end team and and instead hiring us to, to, to build and support that. So, um, you know, that was a great success story for us, uh, being able to come in and provide them value. Um, you know, typically I think a lot of 
companies like that, customers like that think that, you know, it can be expensive hiring an agency. We've purposefully tried to price ourselves so that we're not extremely like, you know, you hire like a domestic agency can be paying a ton of money uh, in development costs, but we were able to get, because the way we've built our business, the way we've structured things, we're able to be pretty cost-effective, uh, not as not cost, as cost-effective as an offshore company, but we're able to maintain like high quality and, you know, produce and, and, you know, meet, meet the expectations of our customers. And I think that was one that really shined for us and gave us a great opportunity to, to prove ourselves as, you know, a, a company that can fulfill these kind of needs and be a long-term partner for them. You know, we're not, it wasn't just a short-term obligation where we went in for a couple of months, did some work and then we're out and never talked to them again. You know, we've, we've maintained a relationship over, over a couple of years now. Yeah, I assume with the software app, they're going to need some support as well along the way because they have to learn it and as hiccups come up or they need to scale or change or modify or update, I'm sure it's nice that you can be there to help them along the way as well. Yeah, and I think that's something that we've always tried to stress. I think other, we're not the only agency that, that stresses that, but I, you'd be surprised how many how many agencies like ours go out and, and win work on new projects and they're all excited. All the energy and momentum goes into the initial build out of the product MVP, as you may call it, minimum viable product. And then, you know, if there's not significant development past that, kind of lose interest. You know, the maintenance yeah. support is kind of a, just an afterthought in the whole thing. And for us, we've always positioned it as we always want to think about the entire life cycle of the product, not just the initial deployment of the initial product, but all support and maintenance beyond that. Because I think that those, that opportunity is just as valuable, maybe not financially as valuable, not getting like, you know, Project size is usually not as big when you get into more of a maintenance and support model, but it's a chance to constantly be in contact with that customer. And that's the way I've always looked at it. It's like, it's an opportunity for us to constantly be interfacing with them, talking about their challenges, talking about their needs. Sometimes we identify new opportunities that break off into new projects. And sometimes it's just by, by nature of being in conversation with them a lot and talking about our capabilities, talking about what their needs are. We get referrals like crazy from that. So it's been, you know, it's been really great for us that we've, we've stressed that, you know, and it really, is, I, I would say even step back from that, it starts with, wanting to build the, the kind of business that I would want to hire if I was, you know, on the other side of the fence, looking to hire an agency. Like that's what we've tried to build and, you know, to build those relationships and build the reputation and the trust and all of that. And, you know, I, I think it's paid off for us. Uh, you know, we still have <laughs> history will still, you know, dictate what happens, you know, long-term with our business, but it, it's been good for us so far. Good for you. And what better way to ensure customer satisfaction than to offer exceptional support? You know, anyone can do you know, software and platforms and so on and so forth. But if as problems arise or as the company shifts or changes, if you're not there for them, the value tremendously drops in what they purchase from you. So the fact that you put a lot of emphasis and you care a lot about the customer support, that says a lot about your company. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I'd, I'd like to believe that. And I think, you know, proofs in the pudding and it's been, you know, referrals continue to be our number one source of new business. Um, and the, the uh, uh, sustaining existing customers has also been, you know, an important part of that as well. So, um, you know, I don't think we would have grown where we've gotten to without, you know, focusing on that strategy. 100%. Well, Justin, it's been great to, uh, to learn about your company and learn what you've done and you've built and where you came from and the jump into the business world. Uh, for all the listeners that are considering website developments or multi-tier software apps or anything related to uh, any type of interact, interactive technologies or uh, anything that your, your, your company's providing, share with them your website, social media handles. If you want to give out an email or a phone number, please share whatever you can. 
help our listeners uh, get in contact with you? Yeah, sure. The best way to reach us is just go to our website, caffeineinteractive.com. All one word, no hyphens, anything else, caffeineinteractive.com. And then um, we have links to all of our social media. We're, we're not extremely active. It goes, it waxes and wanes with our involvement on social media. Uh, so, but you can reach all of that there. And also you can always reach out to me directly. My email address is Dustin at caffeineinteractive.com. Don't mind listeners uh, pinging me if they have a question about something or just found something interesting. They wanted to share a story with me. I'm always happy to, to talk shop or talk anything with, uh, with people that found the, the conversation interesting. Fantastic. Well, Dustin, thank you so much for being on the show. I find what you've done very interesting. I'm so glad that the follow-up is such an important part of your business. I think it's a lost art, unfortunately, that follow-up and that customer support. So I'm glad it's an important part of your business, not just the software development part of it. So that's fantastic. And you've listened to another episode of the Perky Collar Radio Show. Thank you for tuning in. What is the Perky Collar? It is a collar support system for dress shirts. That's right. Over 18,000 of these amazing devices have been sold globally. How does it work? Lift the collar, add the perky collar with the long tapered ends on top, lower your collar on top. Adjust to make sure it's even around the collar, and that's it. You've now transformed your droopy, saggy dress shirt collar to a brand new looking dress shirt, ready to tackle sweaters, jackets, blazers, and the collar still stays nice and tall. How do you find it? The website is perkyllc.com. That's spelled P as in Paul, E as in Elephant, R as in Robert, K as in Kangaroo, Y as in Yo-Yo, LLC, LarryLarryCharlie.com. That's PerkyLLC.com. Get yours today, or if you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, visiting or live here, feel free to come by South Park Mall's kiosk located between Francesca's and Toomey. Best entrance is Maggiano's and Cheesecake Factory. See you soon. Look your best. Have a great day. Perky LLC is a clothing innovation company. We solve clothing-related problems such as the droopy, saggy dress shirt collar, the pocket square that doesn't seem to sit still properly, it unfolds, it falls down, the shirt that keeps coming untucked, collar stays that keep curling on you, and more and more issues with your belt, cracking, splitting, holeless belts are the solution. You can adjust them by a quarter inch instead of having to go up an inch or down an inch. What about that lapel you want to use as an accent color to match a dress or as a color accent to your wardrobe? This and many other fun fashion accessories are available at PerkyLLC.com. Beyond innovation, we also have fashion accessories, bow ties, you name it, from feather to blingy to wooden, even wooden ones that move, even wooden ones that showcase the skyline of cities all across the country. Check out PerkyLLC.com for all these great fashion accessories, and innovative solutions. Are you ready to publish your own book? Do you have a story to tell? Does the world need to hear your story? Now is your chance. Go to https colon forward slash go go dot bestsellingbook.com forward slash perky collar radio show. That's right. It's as simple as that. They'll walk you through every step needed to publish your own book. And watch out. Be ready to be an Amazon bestseller, maybe a Wall Street Journal bestseller, or maybe even New York Times bestseller. It all starts with a single step and having the right team around you. 
Again, go to https colon forward slash go go dot best selling book.com forward slash perky collar radio show. Look forward to seeing your amazing results.